outstanding. That was fantastic. Thank you very much. It's so nice to have you guys here. I love it when our kids join us in here, don't you? When they get to come and be in here with us. Really nice to have you here today. Thank you so much. (laughs) Are you upstaging me? Is that what's going on? (laughs) All right. Let's see what we can learn today. So this month, this we're talking about will. And I keep pointing to the walls. If you're here for the first time, you'll see that all of these... Oh, we have... Some, come on up here, guys. We have some seats up here. You'll see that, um, that each of these, there are eight subjects, eight months of the year. This is what we've studied. We started with faith and strength and wisdom, moved through love, power, imagination, and understanding. And now we're on the topic of will. And, and truly, out of the last eight months, this has been the most challenging topic for me. It's one I have the hardest time getting my hands around. And interestingly, as I study it and I ask myself, so what is will? Really, what is will? In its most simple term, will is the ability to make a choice. That you have the ability to do this or do that. Some of us are a little wishy-washy. How many of you are in relationship with somebody? Okay. So half of you will go one way and half of you will go the other. Which ones of you are the ones that when your sweetheart says, what do you want for dinner tonight? You say, I don't care. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's the wishy-washy side. And which ones of you are the ones that when you say, this is what I want, you say, and this is how I want it, and this is where I want it, and this is how quickly you're supposed to get it for me. No pointing at your spouse. (laughs) Okay, right? So that, that indicates someone whose will is a little overdeveloped. Yeah. They expect the whole world is going to go with them. So will is an important thing because it helps us to figure out who we're going to be in the world. And the, the most fascinating thing about the study of will for me has been coming to understand that we use our will to create our world. That without this particular tool, we would not be part of the creative process. So when we begin to discover this idea that we have free will, which most of us got at an early age, didn't we? Most of us were taught, you have free will, make a choice. When we begin to discover this, we don't necessarily recognize how valuable this tool is that's in our toolbox. So I went back to, to try and get a handle on where this idea of free will came from. And I looked through scriptural resources, and there are some references in the Bible we can use, but it's actually much older than that. One one biblical scripture, for example, that leads us toward free will is the idea that we reap what we sow. Right? This pretty much tells us you get to choose what you do, and what you choose is what you're going to get the result of. There's a law of cause and effect that is a universal law. But the idea of free will goes all the way back into 1700 BC into the most, the, the most ancient scriptures we've been able to, uh, to access in all the faiths, which are the Vedas, and they come from the Hindu tradition. And in the Hindu tradition, they practice something called ahimsa. And essentially, it's a Sanskrit word that means do not harm. 
So when you unfold the teachings of Ahimsa and you begin to understand what they're really, how, how they are an underpinning of the Hindu society, and that law of Ahimsa now goes through Jainism and Buddhism and most of the, the uh, Middle Eastern, most of that area follows the law of Ahimsa. The law of Ahimsa says, I can do as I will in the world so long as I cause no harm. How would that change your life? How would it change your life if you could do anything you wanted so long as it didn't hurt anything? Because Ahimsa is not just about not hurting you and me. It's about not hurting animals. It's about not causing harm to any living thing. That's why so many people in the Hindu faith are vegetarian. It's also part of what led Charles and Myrtle Fillmore to go into a vegetarian lifestyle. They did a lot of study in the Eastern cultures. And they adopted a practice of ahimsa, that they would not cause harm. It changes a lot when we start looking at that as a law. And remember, we were talking about fences when we were reading James Dillett Freeman's Freedom uh, essay. We were talking about the fences that are put in place. So here we are in this study of free will, but it has limitations, doesn't it? It has some fences. Those fences are there to make us safe. So ahimsa is a fence for our free will, designed to make us use our free will with some caution and with some care and with some love and with some connectedness to each other. So... Ahimsa is an interesting practice when you take it one step further and you consider, I am, if I'm practicing Ahimsa, to cause no harm to any other living thing, including yourself. That's right. Right from the front row. No harm to anything, including yourself. So how would that change your life? If you lived your life in a way that caused you no harm, would it change the way you eat? Would it change the friends you choose? Yeah. Would it change how you drive? (laughs) There are a lot of things that come into play with this, aren't there? So having free will is a great thing, but there have to be some boundaries. We have to consider what we're going to do with our free will. And our free will affects these choices that we make, affect our attitude towards life. In fact, we use our free will to decide what our attitude will be. So for example, I know this guy, and he lives out on a farm, nice, lovely, amazing man, happy all the time. The kind of guy you just want to hang out with because he's in a great mood all the time. And so he comes out in the morning every day, checks the weather, looks at the sky and says, oh my gosh, do you see what a beautiful day it is? Look, we have been given another beautifully sunny day. Very happy guy. He lives next door to a really crabby lady. And she comes out in the morning and hears him talking about how beautiful everything is, and she says, oh yeah, the sun's up, great, it's going to be hot today. (laughs) 
So he comes out on another day when it's overcast and cloudy and looks like there's going to be rain and says, look at this. All my crops are going to get a wonderful drink today. It's going to be an amazing day. We're going to have rain. Everything's going to be moist and soft and smell fresh. And she says, I hope you got flood insurance. (laughs) Just goes on that way all the time. Whatever he says, she has a response. So He was starting to feel a little lonely. Even though most people like him, you can't have company all the time. So he went and got himself a dog, an amazing dog, really gifted, amazing dog who thinks well and can do lots of interesting and amazing things. And he was so excited about it. There was nobody else around to tell. So he went and got his crabby neighbor and he said, come on with me. I have to show you what my new dog can do. And the neighbor said, you know, I really have other things to do. And he said, no, really, it won't take very long. Just as you're going to be so excited, come and see what my dog can do. So they walked all the way across the field, and she grumbled the whole time, all the way through the crops, because he had a lake uh, for like a stock pond um, out on his, about the size of this room, out on his property. So he got to one side of the lake with the dog, and the crabby lady was standing next to him, and he picked up a stick, and he threw it just as hard as he could throw it, all the way out till it went to the other side of the lake. And that dog ran right across the top of the water, all the way across, grabbed the stick, ran across the water, and came back and sat down next to him with the happiest look on his face. And the crabby lady next door said, I see you got one that can't swim. (laughs) Totally about your attitude, isn't it? Totally about your attitude. This is your choice. This is where your will plays in. You get to choose the world you will create by how you exercise your will, by whether you choose to see the beauty and the wonder and the gift of life or the misery and horror and sadness of life. You get to choose how you will perceive your life. You get to look for the best or look for the worst, and whatever you look for, guess what? You will absolutely find it. You will absolutely find it. So this thing called free will, it's a powerful and important tool. And it is a a very special tool. Not that any of the others aren't special. And we talked a little bit about faith being a master tool when we talked about faith in January. Do you remember? We talked about it being a master tool that, that we could use our faith to boost the strength of everything else. Well, the same is true with our will. Will is a master tool. It's a tool that will improve our understanding because we use our will to stay in the interaction, don't we? I'm going to stay here until I understand. We use our will to expand our imagination. I'm going to choose to look into new possibility. We use our will to increase and direct our power so that there's something more behind it than just our strength. There's a real desire, a real choice. So over the next month, I want to invite you to explore your will, to ask yourself, where am I choosing not to make decisions? That's a decision by itself, isn't it? Where am I failing to move slowly enough to really consider what would nourish me, whether it's my body or my heart or my soul, 
where am I moving so fast that I'm becoming victim to my surroundings rather than making choice about what I will to create? Because we come here and we gather so that we can expand our God potential. Because we have Christ consciousness within us, the ability to move through life making active choices about who we are and who we will be. We get to be the hands and the heart and the eyes of the divine moving amongst each other and helping each other and helping ourselves by choosing to cause no harm, by choosing to help make things better, by how we respond and how we create. So I have a few quotes for you to consider and we'll talk more about will as the month goes on, but I hope you'll stay in question for yourself about what will means to you and how you're using yours. This is a Chinese proverb, and it says, pearls don't lie on the seashore. If you want one, you have to dive for it. Dennis Waitley said, life is inherently risky. There is only one big risk you should avoid at all cost, and that is the risk of doing nothing. Deepak Chopra said, always go with your passions. Never ask yourself if it's realistic or not. And John A. Shedd said, a ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships were built for. Mm 